Welcome to the ABCs to live your dope life. This is an opportunity to be a fly on the wall while I engage with some of the most fascinating, inspiring, and brilliant people I know who have played a direct or indirect role in my own healing and continued growth process. The change process is not easy, comfortable, or nearly as fast as so many of us wish it would be. And my hope with this podcast is to instill some playfulness, simple tools to practice, and ultimately, a place for you to recognize that you are not alone. A dope life is one that is aligned with who you truly desire to be, and a congruency between what is deep beneath the surface and what shows above the surface. It's the real, the raw, the complexities of our light and our shadows. The only thing that is ever truly in your way is you. Join me on this journey as we continue to grow stronger together. It's time to live your dope life. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am very excited to be able to share this conversation with all of you, uh, with my stepmom, right? Is that who you are? Stepmom? Uh, <laughs> Karen Dawson, thank you so much for for being here with me this morning. It's a pleasure. Uh, how does it feel to be called stepmom? I have I always have a hesitation around it for some reason. Of um, I don't I don't usually refer to you as my stepmom. There's something about it. I don't know. I think there's a bit of a hangover maybe from the Cinderella story, and I think a lot of the stepmoms and step sibling stories have a bit of a nasty edge. Do you think that's why we're maybe allergic to the phrase? Yeah, I think you're you're right there. The step sibling, the step parent. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, negative stories. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I think you actually once called me your bonus mom or bonus mama. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that. And I think it felt really good. Like mm -hmm. I often refer to you as as my bonus, bonus daughter, bonus yeah. sons, you know? Yeah, I like, I like the feeling of bonus more than step. Yeah, let's stick with that. This is my bonus mom, Karen Dawson. <laughs> uh, so I am, um, I'm really pumped to have this conversation with you. I, full disclosure, I, the last couple of days, I've been in a little bit more of a, a hypo aroused state of just feeling a little low struggling with getting my uh, high-end energy that I'm, I'm more familiar with and that I really, really enjoy. And, and part of what I've been noticing in these last couple of days is that I'll, I'll sit down and, and write out like to-do lists of what I think might help me feel better or um, what I can focus on. And, and I'm noticing that it's a lot of putting pen to paper and, and imagining and, and writing out how I want to show up and how I want to feel. And then I like exhaust myself from writing out all these to do's and I overwhelm myself. And then I, not that I end up not doing any of it, but it's, it just is feeling really sticky and really slow and, and just low and heavy. And, and so as I was sitting this morning, you know, as I just showed you kind of flipping through a little improv book, which is our theme today is improvisation. Um, but there were so many little reminders in this improv book that I, where did I just put it down? Yeah. Um, improv Wisdom by Patricia Ryan Madsen. And there were many things that I had already underlined from reading this the first time. But what really stood out to me in this book was just the, the reminder of not getting so stuck up in your head and focusing more on just show up. Like, it's okay if it's boring. Like, don't try to dazzle. Like, what if you just allow it to be mundane and to trust and to collaborate? And um, and the one thing that I said to you before we started is, yeah, right here, the second maxim, don't prepare. And as I was reading and I saw that, I was like, whoop, okay, put it down, like enough preparation. So, of course, there's a, you know, a fine line. You need to prepare a little bit. But there is such thing as over-preparation. And I find that that's where I move into when I am feeling a little low, as if I'm trying to get my engine revving, trying to get energy, but I overshoot. I, I overwhelm myself. I overprepare, and it takes the joy out of it. 
And, and I think for me, that's the biggest thing with improv is that it is joyful and it's fun and it's playful. And, and I, I just feel like I need more of that. And, and I know for people who are listening, you can't see my outfit, but right before we logged on, I looked down at what I was wearing. I was like, nope, this is boring. And so I put on my Iron Man shirt and I'm wearing pink tights. And just doing that in itself, I was like, okay, now I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. It's usually easier to act our way into a new way of thinking than thinking our way into a new way of acting. Mm, it's easier to act our way into a new way of thinking than to think our way into a new way of acting. Huh. Yeah, so, so it's, yeah, can you tell, speak more to that? <laughs> Well, you know, we could go in so many directions with that, that many people um, think, want to think themselves into being more playful. They want to think themselves into being warmer or more active. They want to make a plan and design it and know that the plan is going to get them to a desired outcome. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're planning maniacs mm -hmm. and then we can get frustrated that uh, we didn't get the results we were wanting from this beautiful plan um, but if I want to act in a more playful way I put on pink tights and an Iron Man shirt <laughs> yeah and see what I notice if I want to feel more connected to other people, I could think and come up with all kinds of strategies for how to do that and be in my head. Or I could notice my neighbor coming towards me and say, your puppy is gorgeous. What's his name? Mm -hmm. hmm. So it really is just about being being actors more, being in action more. Yeah, I, this, it's, this is so fascinating to me. I think this is such an important, important quality for all of us to build is, is the ability to just, you know, as I just said from this book of just show up, like everything is practice. Everything is an opportunity. And when we really just notice what is happening around us and, and start collaborating and co-creating with what is there, so much can happen, you know, we're, we're not wasting as much energy. And um, yeah, that, you know, since the moment that we first met, and I, I started learning from you about improv and devouring the books that you would lend me or gift me. This has been such a, an important part of my own growth and development is, is the ability to, yeah, to improvise in the moment and to be able to show up for facilitations or yoga classes. And and always, I always have a little bit of a plan. And even with clients, I'll say the same thing. We sit down for a one-on-one -on -one and I'll, I'll, I'll always start with like, I have a plan, I have a template. But more than that, I want to be able to collaborate and really make sure that we're speaking to what's relevant to you. So it almost is like a safety net of like, okay, if this client wants to show up and just receive, great, I can go with the flow of what I prepared. But if I'm too attached to that, and say my client is asking about something else, that can create this really rigid or resistance or energy of, of trying to guide or force in a new way instead of going with the natural flow. And yeah, that, that's really what improv is, right? And yeah, so with that in mind, um, I kind of jumped right into it and, and I do wanna really get grounded and, um, and connected to what's what's really going on for you right now in this moment. So um, before we go any further in this conversation, I'm, I'm curious to hear what comes up for you with the question of what is in and or on your heart today. Um, it's connected actually to what you said, I think in a way. I was really looking forward to this conversation this morning. And before this, I had a very, um, intense conversation with some clients who are experiencing quite a bit of tension. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what's on my heart right now is how much harder it is to live improv principles 
and show up in a way that just embodies those behaviors than it is to read about it or talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's one of those, I think, bodies of work that many people would say the ideas and the practices are very simple and they're not easy. Mm. Yeah, which is exactly the way that I describe meditation or, or personal development. It's actually quite simple when it comes down to it, but it's far from easy. Yeah, so that's what's on my heart right now is mm -hmm. it's just sort of funny, like I know just enough to be dangerous about improv and how it applies to our day-to-day -day life. And it's easy to talk about it. And it's, you know, it takes some energy and we need to pay attention and we need to notice and let go of needing to have any kind of sense of where this is going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, well, I'm, I'm curious to hear how your story, like what brought you into improv? Um, what was that like for you when you first got into it and, and even how, how it now shows up in, in what you've created for your life now, you know, in any, any way that you want to tell the story, any, any pieces that you feel like are relevant or that you just, Maybe you haven't shared that part in a while and it feels like it would be joyful to dive into that. Um, how, yeah, how would you tell your story of improv? Um, it might be a boring story. Well, I think, I think I come from a family of improvisers, although they would never have really said that. So the idea of telling stories and playing games and making things up and playing with imagination and what's possible. I think partly that's in my DNA and upbringing. And then as a student in junior high and high school, I just had great teachers that introduced the world of improv. And you talk about the joyful, playful part of it. Mm -hmm. I think that comes from co-creating with other human beings where you just have a laughing fit because there's no way we would have made that up if it was anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so I think as a kid, I was really intrigued by that. I was kind of a serious person and a bit of a know-it-all and always wanted to be right and the smartest and the best. And I never was. And improv <laughs> became a way of being part of something that felt just really different than getting the highest score on a test or being the top of the class. Um, and I ended up, you know, flying, you know that, uh, and teaching flying and this idea of being in ambiguity and chaos and not knowing and what happens in our body when something unexpected happens and we have to respond to danger or crisis. That part of improv, stepping into the unknown willingly, paying attention with your whole body, understanding the importance of being able to think when things aren't going the way you thought they would, and I should say, and act mm. when things aren't going. So those little improv -y ideas and principles probably lived in me as I was flying and teaching people what it means to fly, to be present, and then, you know, I ended up teaching theater, and as a, as a high school teacher, I was always intrigued by what shifted among students when they were learning to improvise together. Something changed. The relational goo among people that understand how to improvise. So that was all there, Marin. I mean, it really, there was a strong strand for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then I set it aside because I thought drama, theater, improv was a bit silly and I went and did graduate studies and I was going to become a businesswoman and I thought that was all behind me. It's embarrassing to admit this because <laughs> I thought who is going, you know, that trust the driver credibility that we all want as mm -hmm. we go out in the world to create a practice, build a business. I actually consciously set it aside and didn't even talk about it. Um, and it was one of my fellow master's students who said to me once, 
um, one of the things that gets in my way is I script and I plan and I analyze. I'm an engineer by training. And what I'm realizing is that that is actually getting in my way. And I said kind of flippantly, you probably just need to play with some improv stuff. Huh. And he took me seriously and I ended up, you know, sharing some ideas with him. This is turning into a boring, more boring story than it needs to. Quite yeah, by I like it. Peace, <laughs> like because of someone else's invitation. And he was being improvisational in his curiosity and in his invitation to me to say, let's, let's play with this improv thing. If you think it could help people with like me, because I think a lot of people bright, driven, ambitious, competitive people who are used to getting it right and who have been very successful. I think we're the people that struggle most mm. mm -hmm. showing up being present, getting things done with other human beings. It is our planning that gets in the way. So we started dabbling with it, Marin, uh, 20 years ago. This idea of improv and what did, how could these principles perhaps help us even, we never want to step on a stage or be an actor or a performer. What does it mean though? to play with these ideas and make them our own and bring them into our day-to-day -day life as a partner in our intimate relationship, as a parent, as a business person, as a client, when I'm not getting the service I want. Like, what happens when you play with these ideas? Mm -hmm. And I think you know that it was back in sort of the year 2000 that I met kind of by accident, this group called the Applied Improvisation Network didn't even know they existed. It was just this raggle taggle group of people who were asking similar questions. What might improv? What difference might it make? So I got connected up with them and I've been playing with it a little bit ever since. And it became a big part of my life for a while. And now I'm a little less, hmm, what do I want to say? Um, I'm less evangelical about improv always being helpful than I mm. was at one point. I'm mm. holding it more lightly. And I believe it's potent. Well, when it comes to what you just said, that you've, you've shifted your mindset around improv, that it might not always be the best thing to do. How, how can you tell? What would, like, is this like you're with a client or you're deciding, you know, a, a client has certain goals and you can look at that and, and discover, like, would improv support them? Like, to me, it, it seems like it would be good for everyone, you know, and even the way you describe improv as, you know, yes, it's a, it's a, an art or, you know, be on stage, be an improviser, but it, the way you described it actually reminds me a lot of yoga and how we often will say like what you do on your mat is so is a practice that you want to be able to continue off your mat you're you're learning and practicing it in a very deliberate and intentional and structural way the same way you would improvise on stage but the point is to be able to take these really important lessons and use them in life so that you're a yogi on and off your mat. You're an improviser on or off the stage. I'm, so I'm just curious where, what, what makes you kind of discover or discern, you know, this would be a, a good time to bring in some improv um, versus no improv's not needed here. You know, you asking the question has helped me clarify my own thinking. I think, Marin, what has shifted for me in the last several years, partly from experimenting and experiences with different client groups, is the word improv can be quite off-putting. Mm. Um, for all sorts of different reasons. People can make up stories in their head and hallucinate, or for some people who take themselves and their work very, very seriously, the idea that we're going to play games 
doesn't resonate. It doesn't sound fun. In fact, it's like, this is not what's needed here. And so I think what I've adjusted, Marin, because I am fully committed to the practices of improv in helping us collaborate, navigate uncertainty and complexity, develop connections and relationships with each other that are more alive and vibrant, that up the likelihood that we're gonna create some crazy cool stuff that none of us would have thought of on our own. I am fully devoted to that, probably more so. Talking about it as improv, telling people you need to learn improv, calling something that we might do with clients, an improv activity, that has gone. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And again, so many parallels to the yoga world of, you know, I could talk about how important meditation is. But for a lot of people, it's I don't have time for that. It doesn't work for me. Uh, you know, whatever it is, any stories they have around their experiences with it. And it and it makes it so if I call it meditation, right away, walls are up and resistance. Whereas if you actually just guide people through an organic experience and there's little pieces of meditation that maybe certain people don't even realize that's what we're doing and then after the fact you can say like guess what you just did <laughs> you just improvised or you just yeah. meditated but th that makes a lot of sense that it's really about the way you frame it right yeah and meeting people where they are and being super yeah. curious about them and making them look brilliant and playing big and making bold offers and letting go of needing to be the superhero that saves the day and um, um, when you show up that way in conversation with people it creates a very different set of possibilities around what can unfold and in a sense you know more is possible and we tend to feel like more um, and we want more of it mm -hmm. and we can do all of that and some of my applied improvisation buddies um, I create tension for them and it kind of bugs them in a way that I'm not um, using improv as the banner or that's what we're doing because this is an art form that supports people and this needs to be celebrated and we need to let people know what we're up to. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, what are what are the core concepts of improv? If if you even the way you see it, of like, is it like a like in this book? There were certain maxims of like these are the important, you know, cornerstones of of what makes improv improv. Um, what are those to you? How would you describe these these maxims or steps or um, lenses? You know, what's, what's your verbiage around it and how, how do you kind of articulate that? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I'm, I'm actually really curious which stood out to you of Patricia's. Like, if mm -hmm. you just flip through the book, what are some of the ones that just kind of grab your attention where you're like, yeah. hmm, gets you nodding your head? So many of them. Uh, <laughs> so the first one was the don't prepare. <laughs> I just that don't don't prepare and just show up um yeah to me though that that's like uh that could also be very dangerous which I guess that's the point of improv is is we're not we're not trying to protect ourselves um from risk it's acknowledging that even in failure there's a lot of learning so there's a lot of important stuff in that but yeah those are huge don't prepare just show up um be average I, th I think that's a really fascinating one. Uh, be average, pay attention, face the facts, uh, make mistakes, please. Take care of each other and enjoy the ride. Yeah, those are the ones that really stand out to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not, you can tell I'm nodding my head. <laughs> And you could speak to lots of different improvisers who would give you slightly different answers. So I do invite you and your listeners to hold what I say lightly and be suspicious of everything I say. This is from my perspective and experience. One of the best improvisers I know is Jess Lee. She now lives in Colorado. She was in Washington, DC and Portland. 
And um, her guiding practices are notice more. So notice, notice what you notice, notice in your body, listen with your whole body. Um, you know, don't argue with reality because it wins 100% of the time, right? Uh, notice more. Mm -hmm. And you can play games. This, these are practices, things you do. And I'm sure there are a lot of similarities between this and yoga. You know, you can play a game with your six-year-old. Let's sit on the front porch as we social distance and let's see if we can notice 25 things that neither of us have ever noticed before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that one. Until we play a game and practice it, we're completely oblivious to the things we've never noticed before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so that would be one. Mm -hmm. Notice. Be here prepared to be nowhere else. Mm -hmm. Play big. And that's about find your voice. Speak up. Mm -hmm. Make bold offers. Share half-baked or quarter-baked ideas. Mm -hmm. um, there are lots of ways to anticipate or to interpret the phrase play big. If you're in this conversation with me, I want to know who you are. Mm. Say, ask big questions, make bold offers. It's so much easier to be in relationship with someone where you know where they stand, even if it's I do not like Brussels sprouts, yeah. which, which you know is true about me. Or ketchup. It's a bold, <laughs> it's a bold offer. It says, like, what, do you, what would you like to eat? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Anything but Brussels sprouts and ketchup. <laughs> That's, you know, I'm going to say it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's play big, and then you're going to notice the creative tension. Let go. Let go of needing to know where this conversation's going to go. Mm -hmm. Let go of needing to be the smartest person in the room. Let go of the, of the idea that people are going to like my idea. Let go of needing to have the whole plan mapped out. Let go of needing to get credit for this. Mm. Let go of needing to sound clever or funny or profound. Mm. It really, what you're saying, it sounds like, is the let go of any expectation of what this action will give you. Or, you know, or that one of my biggest lessons growing up was this, this goal I had to be a professional basketball player. And, you know, this, the big goal at the time was to get a full ride scholarship. And I was so fixated on that, which, you know, served a purpose. There was a lot of good things that came from that. But I had built up this expectation of what it means and what I'm going to feel. And you know, how people will view me. And, you know, I had built up this whole delusional reality of as soon as I sign that contract, I'm going to be a different person. I'm going to feel differently. I'm going to think differently. And that's not the way it works. You know, I had put so much pressure on this goal and I'd lost sight of the importance of, of enjoying those small moments that lead up to this big thing, thinking the big thing was, was it? When, no, there are so many little things throughout that process that, in retrospect, gave me more joy and pleasure. And, and to me, that's really what improv is as well. It's, it's about the journey. It's about the, the things you didn't expect and, and how you can include those and be delighted by them, surprised and, or even put off. But it, it's just about being in it and, and finding the depth 
and the joy in just the process and the journey. And, and to me, really what improv does is it teaches us how to, to be better collaborators. In the end, we have more control when we're able to be fully present and kind of playing with what's right in front of us instead of constantly reacting or planning ahead for this future destination that is not real. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The secret sauce, according to Jess Lee, and I want to give credit where it's due, um, play big, let go, notice more. And the secret sauce, and I think Patricia mentions it in Improv Wisdom, always make the other person look good. And one of my buddies, Jason Lewis, he's an amazing improviser here in Calgary, um, one of the co-founders of the Kinkanauts. Mm. Um, he, he says, oh, always make the other person look like a genius. Mm -hmm. And when you are in conversation with or creating something with other people or doing family with people that understand what it means to show up with that secret sauce, as you play big and let go and notice more, it's like, whoa. Mm. It's... I think it's life-giving actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would agree. I, you know, I'm what, what comes up for me now is the importance of having a good partner or partners when you're playing or creating. And, and this is something from the very, very first time I met you uh, eight years ago or however long it's been now. Um, almost it really, a decade. Baby. Almost a decade. Yeah. I, I remember, um, and this has been consistent. It's just how, how you really light up a room but you do it in a way where everybody is on the same level you you are asking questions and getting the quiet person in the room to share a story and and you create this safe and fun space where stories are told and and people are laughing and it, you do it in such a brilliant way that i've i've always been in awe of and and even when i think about you know if if i were to go on a road trip with anyone and have a great time you are definitely top of that list like you're just so fun and adventurous and we could talk about anything and you know there would never be a dull moment and at the same time i never feel pressure or expectation from you that i need to show up in a certain way it it really just allows me to kind of move in in a in a safe way without without like this level of like, you need to meet me up here. Like you're always meeting people where they're at. And, and so again, it's, it's so it's, it is easy when you have a really good partner to collaborate with and to improvise with. So when it comes to maybe you're stuck with a partner in any situation that, you know, is putting up blocks or walls, or it's someone that just takes so much more energy to try to converse with or, or get something from. And, and yes, there's always that like, well, just don't spend time with them. And that's not always an option, whether it's someone you work with or someone in your family or a neighbor or, you know, whatever it is, what are, what are some things that you do when you, when you're, it's very clear that you're partnered up with someone who is not skilled in this realm. Are, how do you approach that? How do you elevate someone who, who's not aware, doesn't know how to elevate themselves? What are, what are some things that you do to, to support the people around you? First of all, I just have to say it's, um, well, I'm, I, I'm moved by what you said, Marin. And if you went on a road trip with me, you might change your mind in a hurry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it's really nice to hear those words. I, you know, I appreciate it. Mm. I think your question is a beautiful one. Um, this is, this is my sense. There, I think there are a lot of people that aren't used to feeling heard and listened to and seen. And there are a lot of people that don't feel like engaging or want to share what they think or feel because they've maybe tried in the past and been made fun of. Or they think wonky things and they're embarrassed. 
or, and I know you love Brene Brown's work and she's mm -hmm. done such a beautiful job of creating a vocabulary around vulnerability and this idea of being real with others, even when being real means that other people might be uncomfortable with what you say. Yeah. And so I think many of us have learned to armor up um, and even when invited in conversation with people, um, whether it's professionally or personally, it's just, it's safer to keep my mouth shut. Mm -hmm. Right? Nobody got fired for staying silent. Mm. And if I open my mouth and say what I really think and feel, or what I really want out of this job or out of this relationship or out of this dinner date if i say it i'm in danger yeah so when i'm with someone who perhaps doesn't seem to really live improv kinds of practices um i mean i that's just kind of an offer for me <laughs> i see it as an interesting offer and sometimes that is just noticing their quietness hmm. um you know i'm sitting with my arms crossed nobody can see that because i don't think we're on camera which is a good thing because my hairdo is like covid virus <laughs> uh, it's interesting you know um uh, i could tell a story about being a high school teacher right where you invite students to get up in a circle and you want them moving physically in the same space because it changes what's possible when people are up off their feet and moving mm -hmm. and you invite them you you invite them to to engage with each other and, and someone makes a rude or an obnoxious offer yeah mm -hmm. like really inappropriate mm -hmm. you know think of your typical 17 year old oh yeah I have a few stories teaching teaching yoga to middle school, high school boys, the things they say. Really, yeah. And we've all dealt with people that are just like, you know, like we're trying to do this thing here and why are you giving me this? Yeah. Anyway, it's so fascinating as I reflect back on it. Because remember, I was like a 24-year-old working with all these yahoos. Many of them had been young offenders at the time. They give you something obnoxious, whether it's the masturbation move or just you can go to town with what they would do. Yeah. Well, something changes when you go, that's your move? Masturbating? Well, let's all do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Because people will test us. Yeah. And people that aren't used to being heard or don't always feel connected or important, whether it's at a dinner party or whatever, they, they just learn coping things. And when we meet people where they are and everything's an offer, your quietness is an offer, um, your resistance is an offer your rude joke is an offer your look that i interpret as disdain is an offer for me to say did i just say something that rubbed you the wrong way mm. right yeah and that's really about noticing right because like, that's that's something that i i notice about myself is that depending on my mood or energetic state yeah i notice a lot but i I often, potentially more times than not, I will just pretend I didn't see it. Whether it's, you know, Andrew rolling his eyes at me or, um, you know, someone saying something and I, and I actually didn't hear it fully. And instead of saying like, oh, can you say that again? Or describe that for me. Instead, I'm just like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, And I, I'll just blow it off. And, it, and part of it maybe is, acknowledging how much energy I have in the moment. And, and because I, I do tend to, I can get really, really anxious and then I move into shutdown. And so I'm, unless I'm in that, that state of feeling really aware and awake and present where I, I actually, I'm more curious. Like I, I wanna ask questions. I wanna hear 
tell me more about that? Or did I hear you right? And let me repeat it. And oh, that, that look on your face was really funny. What are you thinking about? I, I do that when I'm in that state of, of full connection and presence, but I'm often not there. And because I'm, I'm in a state of more hyper aroused, of a little anxious, of a little more cautious, if I'm there or I'm on the other end of just shut down, of very quiet, if I'm in either of those two states, I don't, I don't get the urge, the impulse, the desire to dig in. I just let things slide. I'm not being an improviser. I'm, I'm in the passenger seat of my own vehicle. And it makes it, I, it, makes it really difficult to, to try to override that. You know, so I'm, and I don't know my purpose in sharing that other than just depending on my current nervous system state. I can be an outstanding improviser and I also can be a full on block for the people around me, like a heavy weight. It's, and it can be really frustrating because I, I want to be the, the improviser more and more, but I just get into these states where it's, I just, I don't feel like I can connect and create and collaborate with my environment. It's powerful to even know that about yourself. Yeah. And there's something in what you just said, Marin, around that beautiful creative tension between preparedness and having a plan and having skills and capacities the way you would practice your basketball skills. Mm -hmm. You practice them so that when you're in the middle of a game, they're there for you. Mm. You're not playing basketball 24 seven. There are times you're not going to dribble. <laughs> yeah. And improvisers practice. There's a zone. There's a way of being. There's a way of behaving and interacting and relating with other people that ups the likelihood that in the unknown, you're going to create something quite magnificent. You know, John and Abby would probably say if they were listening, yeah, mom, you're not always in an improv scene. We don't need to play with the checkout person at Safeway. <laughs> this is, you know, so, I mean, and, you know, they are my loving critics, Marin. Mm-hmm. And. I know I rub some people the wrong way in my commitment to seeing people. Mm. I believe we come into being in relationship with each other when we're noticed and valued and seen and heard. So when I go through the checkout at Safeway, I see you Mm -hmm. and I'm curious about you. And when I walk out, having felt like someone has helped me and I know a bit more, I mean, and there would be people like, oh my God, Marin, I don't want to ever meet her in Living Color. That sounds bizarre. (laughs) And are there times where I'm off? Absolutely. Just in my own head. Yeah. And not seeing the offers and not letting go of what's bugging me or not playing big. And... Mm -hmm. For me, the joyfulness and the playfulness that you talked about when you think about improv is feeling connected with other human beings and we made something together in this moment, even if it's sitting at a red light and someone's playing a really good tune and I'm like moving with them. This for me is a connection. Mm -hmm. It gives me strength to move forward in whatever the heck is happening in this crazy world of art. Because <laughs> yeah. if I have to go this alone, I can't. Mm. Yeah. And that for me is, 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 is an interesting thing to think about, these little nanoseconds that we can play with this and make it our own and experiment in these little micro 
moments, micro interactions. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to smile at someone and let go of them needing to smile back? Yeah, there's so much in what you just shared that I, that it really, really resonates with me. You know, I'm, what I find really fascinating about you in particular as well, actually, is, you know, in our conversations where, you know, I've talked about yoga and meditation and um, you've been very honest with how like, no, nope, not for me. Like, I, you know, I'm not interested. And at the same time, you're, you're such a present and alive and aware person. What does, and maybe, I'm sure this looks different, but maybe even to compare what it, what it looked like in the beginning for you to practice, you know, how do you practice these improv skills as a novice and how do you practice them today? How, how has it changed? What's, what's the big difference? Um, and even if it's little tools or, or simple things like, is it breath work? Did you used to do a lot of breath work? Did you used to do mindfulness activities without realizing that's what it was? What does practice look like for someone brand new to this? And what does it look like for someone who's, you know, a 20-year veteran in this work? Mm. Oh, those are great. Those are great questions. I just um, have to say, I love how you always tell me my questions are great. Even after I say some, I'm like, oh, I don't know if that made sense. Then you're like, oh, that's a beautiful question. You're you're really good at making me feel good. <laughs> well, because a good question invites me to really think, right? Yeah, yeah. Like your questions are, it's, 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 I think, I think, Marin, a lot of my beginnings, I was totally unconscious of what I was up to. I really, I don't know. Mm. Um, I don't know what I did. I am interested in the breath and breathing. Mm -hmm. There's a lot, there are a lot of breathing exercises and a lot of silence in improv. Mm. Um, let me, you're going to stop me if this isn't helpful. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's getting clearer to us as we invite people into these ways of being, practicing, acting, showing up with each other, is there needs to be a structure or a game that helps people because it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking mm -hmm. than think your way into a new way of acting. So talking about improv principles and describing them, play big, notice more, like, oh, always look the other, make the other person look brilliant. Like, that's easy to talk about until we're playing a game, doing something together that invites you to act that way. It's kind of hard to understand what the heck we're talking about. Totally. Well, especially when you're up against your deeply ingrained habits and reactions, right? If I'm not, if I don't know how to let go, yeah, in theory, like, yeah, that sounds wonderful. But then I'm in a moment where I'm, like, I don't want to let go. Like, it's such a strong impulse. So when we're beginning and when people are, many people, when they get intrigued by improv and decide that they want to learn, I want to learn more about this, they'll sign up for beginner improv and then maybe talk about the principles briefly. Usually we're on our feet. Let's tell a story one word at a time. Mm -hmm. Once. Upon. Ah. Uh, time a dragon lurched forward yeah <laughs> <laughs> now to tell a story one word at a time i have to notice more i have to let go mm. of knowing where this story is going to go I have to play big and share my word. And I have to make you look good. Uh, we've got to be supporting each other to make a story. Right. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if it flops and it's ridiculous, we both throw our hands up in the air and say, again, yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's really ex experience experiences for how does this phrase go? Um, knowledge is for the mind, but experience is for the body. And if you want your mind and body to be on the same page, yeah, you can't just think about it. You need to experience it so that you can reorganize within this new way of being. Yeah, and you've played, played Pass the Clap with me before. Yes, I forgot about that one. That's such a beautiful game is there's no language involved. And so if we have people from different cultures, different backgrounds, if we have people with varying abilities or disabilities we can all play because we can still we can clap and i'm noticing what does my partner need from me to make a beautiful synchronous clap and we're mm -hmm. finding rhythm together and we're noticing what the circle needs to pass the clap remember and then we mm -hmm. change we get a little more complicated now you can reverse the order and this clap's going to go around the circle the other way and then we add on and once we're always making people look good right mm -hmm. tiny successes this is not about hogging the clap it's about passing it notice who hasn't received it can we speed it up let's go and mm -hmm. we're in this right always mm -hmm. make each other look brilliant you're never trying to trick each other or fool each other right yeah and we would start there with the experience of people playing that way. Let go of needing to be the world's best clapper. <laughs> and there's nothing more beautiful in a simple game like that, especially with people that are executives, uptight, anal retentive, super bright, live in their heads. There's nothing better than people that struggle to do it well and to be embarrassed and vulnerable with each other around, wow, like you are hard, you're a hard person with whom to clap. Look at it, okay? And then you'll watch people learn their way forward together. It's extraordinary. Yeah, that takes me right back to that, that one um, full day event that I came to support you with, just to, you know, as I was starting to realize that I wanted to get into this coaching realm and and you were so great with bringing me under your wing in a, in a few different situations and and i remember we broke up into two groups and i was the lead facilitator for pass the clap with this group and i had forgotten about that like you just talking about it i i see the faces of the people and these these people in suits and business attire that looked so serious and we got them in this circle and they were all moving and laughing and completely shifted the energy in the space it was so powerful. And the potent question that many of us are having a hard time answering, and I think we're finding some answers, how do we bring that way of being with each other? Yeah. Play big. It's okay if that clap didn't go well. It's okay. Again, let's try again. We're getting this. When you think about people working in a more transparent way, more fluidly, more collaboratively, play big, share your idea, let go of it needing to be right. Let us play with it and build on it. Mm -hmm. Right? How do we help people see that when we show up that way together, especially in chaos and in the unknown, we have a much greater chance of navigating our way forward together. And none of us in this room, even though we're brilliant, is brilliant enough to know the way forward. We're mm -hmm. in this together. And, and it's gonna be interesting to see what your how your listeners feel in response to what we just said. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said earlier, one of the reasons I'm speaking less about improv as a methodology or applied improvisation, or we play games, we're gonna do an improv session. The reason I, I'm less likely to talk about that now, as we introduce it with people who, who want to have stronger relationships, more collaborative sort of workplace or, you know, whatever is, then people say, well, what's that gonna look like? Describe what you're gonna do, because you don't know these people. They're uptight, they're quiet, they're introverts. Um, 
they don't understand how to play. And then if I go and describe the clap game, like you and I just, people are like, yeah. No thanks. <laughs> right? It just doesn't sound like it makes sense. And people are like, how is that possible? You have not seen the people I work with. Mm. Well, It shifts what's possible between people. It shifts the relational goo. You say you want to be different together and feel different. We need to practice being different with each other. And we're going to begin as we wish to go on. Mm. There's something, the way you just described this as the relational goo between people it what comes up for me is when i'm i'm thinking about the body you know what's on true on one level is generally true on all levels when you come down to the very base truth and to think of the goo between people and how it can change in tone the same way that our fascia the goo that that is our body the tissue tone changes based on our nervous system state so if we react to something because there's danger, our body actually tightens up, ready to respond. And then if we don't notice it and do what we need to do to release after, then that tone can actually stay there and create a lot of issues in the body just simply from a lack of releasing the danger response. And, and so that just comes up for me in terms of like to a healthy mobile body is one where the tissue tone can shift and adapt but it doesn't get stuck and so when i'm thinking about the relationship between people the space between people and if we both have our walls up or we're living in our survival mechanism stuck in our biases overthinking it's like the goo in between us has hardened to the point where there's actually there can't be fluid communication and so the way you're describing even like these playful games of just shifting the energy and getting people to relate in new ways, it's, it's like you're accessing the space between people and you're softening the, the goo to make we, it so communication that. can happen. Do you we're, use that? We're using that um, phrase with something softens. Yeah. And that can also happen on a Zoom call. Um, we don't need to be in each other's space. So if we're on a Zoom call with 10 people, we can invite people to just spin your chair away from the screen and just take one minute to look around your space and find an object. Well, maybe you and I could do this right now. Find an mm -hmm. object that somehow captures how you're feeling right now as this conversation nears its end. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay, I got what mine. did you find? This little statue of the dancer's pose in yoga, but a very, very open, expressive heart, playful, Looks like someone dancing and, and just the strength in their body. This, this really stood out to me. And I picked a chamomile tea. Mm. Um, because, um, and I don't know if this is a bunch of hooey or if it's real, but I've heard that chamomile tea helps calm and soothe. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm noticing that I was feeling a little bit of residual tension from the work I'd been doing before I joined this conversation. Yeah. And I think just thinking and talking about these improv ideas and being invited to share my story and being in conversation with you I think, I, yeah, I feel calmer. Mm. That's awesome. So, yeah, so thank you. And thank you. 
The reason I invited you to do this with me is that it's important, I think, that your listeners understand you don't need to be in a theater space playing wacky clock games to practice playing big, letting go of needing to sound smart or sophisticated. Mm. We take turns. Um, Make the other person look good. Yeah, it can happen anywhere in any medium. Yeah. Mm. And I think what else really stands out to me is the, the reality that we can't be on all the time. And I remember asking you that because I've just been such, I've, I've been in awe of you and your energy since I met you. And, and I remember asking you like, are you ever like sad or like, are you, do you ever have your energy low where you're not connecting with the people around you? And part of it was my own realization that sometimes I'll step on the elevator and I immediately, if I'm there with someone else, some, someone else steps on, sometimes I turn towards them and I'm like, Hey, and get into such a natural conversation. And other times I just feel so resistant to opening up and connecting. And I can often feel really guilty and a lot of shame around that because I do feel like I have a gift in being able to elevate people and make them feel good. And so when I don't do that, when I have an opportunity to do it, I can go into a shame cycle. And, and so by really, when you shared with me that you're not always on, you don't always connect with the people around you, it gave me permission to, to also be okay with that and and trust that I'll do it when I have the energy and I want the energy more and more. And when I don't, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that was such a gift. Yeah. And so let thank me you. Like us end with you, which is an improv tenant, as you know. Yes. And stepping on the elevator and noticing that there's another human being on that elevator with you and choosing to sink into your own self is a beautiful example of connecting. Mm. Simply seeing them. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful example of connecting in a way that honors where you are and where they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and allowing, yeah, the, the silence, which, yeah, it's definitely, there's some work for me in that. Yeah, so many good things. I'm so grateful for you, Karen. And I'm, I just, I've loved this conversation. And I, I'm hoping that you'll be open to doing another one with me. Um, I don't know if my, if dad mentioned the, the last question that I, I ask people at the end of these episodes um, is first around what your current relationship is with cannabis. And I know we've talked about this and it's not a part of your life. And something that I've realized in, in these conversations, um, initially I, I wanted to have a second conversation with everyone where we ingested a little bit of cannabis uh, to go through, you know, education on what it is and how it can actually be used in in very medicinal and intentional ways. And as I was continuing through this process and continuing with my own research and um, and inquiry, I realized that, well, first of all, not everyone's going to be interested in doing that. And there are many other ways to actually expand consciousness and engage in a second conversation, including playing, being outdoors, moving your body to the point of persistence so that your your body actually activates and creates the same chemicals you get when you ingest cannabis there's so many other ways to do it and and so through this conversation what i'm thinking potentially as our our second episode together maybe we set up a camera somewhere and we play improv games or or do one improv game to to really get some energy flowing and then dive into a conversation on on something that we both would enjoy talking about. Um, yeah, so what are, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, I'm honored, and you might listen to this after and think, ah, I'm going to rescind that invitation. I have <laughs> noticed that our um, internet connection is a little bit unstable, and so your voice has garbled a little bit at my end, and I just wanted you to know that as you're yes. listening to it to, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yours yours did a couple times as well, but I'm hoping that um, in the editing process, we'll be able to fix some of that up, so we'll we'll listen back and make sure. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And I, you know, I'd be honored to, if there's, if there's something that you think offers value, I'm like, you know, I love a good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I really appreciate that. Well, is there anything else coming up for you? Anything left unsaid or, um, or even, you know, an opportunity to plug yourself of the work that you're doing, how people can find you? Our website is uh, deeperfunner.com and, uh, and I'm, we're here in Calgary and there are lots of good improvisers in Calgary. Loose Moose is a fabulous school and Kinkanauts, I don't know what they're doing given the virus. It makes sense to me that there may not be as much in-person stuff going on for a little while and they may be doing some online work. So if any of your listeners are really keen to learn more about improv and perhaps experiment and play with some of the basics i would really highly recommend both of those theater companies they do a beautiful job of introducing the ideas wonderful i'll make sure to add that into the show notes um, so that people have a easy access to those links yeah all right well karen thank you i appreciate you this has been a lot of fun i'm feeling pretty good right now uh, and excited to improvise my way through the day. <laughs> it's been my pleasure. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next time, see you later. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on social media at Dopamine, that's D-O-P-E-A-M-E, or on my website under that same title, dopamine.com. Please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it and do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments. I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. So until next time, love big and play big. Peace.